Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Today we're finishing up our sermon series called At the Movies. Have you guys been enjoying watching some clips from different movies over the past couple weeks? Yeah? All right, how many of you went home last week and you watched Remember the Titans since last week? Okay, quite a few hands went up. That's awesome. That's so good. I'm glad I could inspire you to watch such an incredible film like that. Um, We've been taking a few weeks to go through different movies, specifically movies regarding um, uh, encouragement one another, um, connecting with people. So we've been taking time to go through movies about our need for one another. And we know that Jesus, we, we use movies not because the Bible is not enough, but we use movies because stories help us learn. Um, when we have Jesus, when he taught, he would teach in parables. He would teach to, to the disciples and the crowds. It's easier sometimes to communicate the gospel message. Now, not every movie is a great movie for communicating the gospel. Um, I'm not going to get into opinions on what movies are good or bad. I think I've, I've heard some feelings. There have been some disagreements on some of the movies I've mentioned that are good or bad. So I'll stay away from that. But we know that there are some movies that just, they hit home for us. And we looked a couple weeks ago at Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings, the power of encouragement, that we need to be an encourager for people. We need to receive encouragement. Hebrews 10 tells us daily encourage one another. Last week we looked at remember the titans and that there's sometimes conflict in relationship. An offense can take place. And now offense can last a day or it can last months and years and we have to be careful, guard our hearts from allowing an offense to take place for years in our life. Today we move on um, to a really important message as we close out this series on godly community. We're actually going to stay in the 1970s. Remember, the Titans was in the 1970s. But we're going to move to a story, uh, a movie called Jesus Revolution. Has anyone heard of the movie Jesus Revolution? It came out this year, actually. I know I usually use movies that are like 20 years old. I don't know why I do that. It's not intentional. But today, we're using a movie that came out uh, this year. And this movie is about how we need to um, be ready to, to be as a team to reach more for Jesus. The title of today's message is Make Room for More. Make Room for More. That's what we're doing when we're going to two services. That's why we're creating a second experience so that more people can experience God, more people can have an understanding of the Bible, more people can engage in worship. We want to create space for more. But when we make room for more people, change can make things difficult. Change can make things uncomfortable. Think about if you're at a restaurant and you have more people in the restaurant coming, coming to the restaurant than you have seats in the chairs. Well, what do you do? You, you don't say, oh, go find your own place to sit. We, we don't have room for you. Hopefully you don't do that. You say, no, I think we could squeeze one more in. You know, we'll, we'll shuffle down here on the booth. We'll, we'll, we'll push the chairs together to make more room for people. You have to cram in. Sometimes it's uncomfortable making room for another person. But we don't want to be exclusive. We don't want to be this, you know, for and no more mentality. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not exclusive. It's inclusive. It's it's never too full. It's always open. It's not private. It's not VIP. It's public and meant to be accessible for all people. 
And the Jesus Revolution movie shows the power of making room for more people in the kingdom of God. As I said before, this movie is set in the, in the 1970s. It's the beginning of a national spiritual awakening, a lot of which took place, uh, originated with the hippies of Southern California. I want to look at the story of two men, Pastor Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie. Pastor Chuck Smith, played by uh, Kelsey Grammer. Any, any Frasier fans? Anyone know him from that? It's really hard to see him in any role after that. But uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, in this movie, he's pastoring with his wife and his daughter a dying church. The church is struggling. And it's because the church has been judgmental of the hippies of that, that younger generation. Pastor Chuck and his daughter, they, they have some friction. They, they disagree on this subject. But Pastor, Chuck, Pastor Chuck's world is turned upside down when his daughter brings home a Jesus-loving hippie into his home. Let, let's show that first clip when they are introduced. My stars. Hi, Chuck Smith. Who are you? How do you know my name? Oh, your daughter told me, and when she picked me up. You tell me right now where my daughter is. Jeanette! What? Here. Who is this? Flonnie. Hi. Hi. Uh, would you mind just uh, stepping outside for a minute, Mr. Not at all. Frisbee, Lonnie Frisbee. Frisbee. Thank you. Sugar by any chance. What is going on? You said you wanted God to send you a hippie. I said that, but I did not mean it. Dad, I am telling you, there's something about this guy. We talked all night. He pretty much blew my mind. I spent the night with him? He could be an axe murderer. Anyone could be an axe murderer. Look, just listen for 10 minutes, and if you think he's crazy, I'll throw him out myself. This house has a very good vibe. I had to show that clip to start it out, so you know where this is going. Um, I love the end of that when Lonnie says, this house has a very good vibe. Um, it's funny, actually, about two years ago when we were starting this church, we were meeting a lot of new people, new faces were coming in it, and I remember someone coming up to me and saying, this place, man, there's just good vibes here. This is just good vibes going on. I want to be like, well, I think it's called the Holy Spirit, but you know, whatever, we can call it whatever you want, but yeah, the Holy Spirit is probably doing that. And, uh, and even the beginning of this year, uh, we had some pastors in here praying on, on a weekday morning, and Pastor Gene from Agape Church, he was praying, and he came up to me, he's like, man, there's just, there's a sweet presence in this place. There's, there's something, God is doing something at the gathering. And I hope it's, it's, you know, it's never what we can do. It's what God does when we come together and we worship and we set the tone, the atmosphere and praying and, and God moves. And uh, so Lonnie comes in to this house and he recognizes something about Pastor Chuck. There, God has got a plan for him. And, and Lonnie realizes that through, through God. And Lonnie then sits down and begins to talk with Pastor Chuck about the problems he's experiencing. And, and this is what happens in this clip. You know, it reminds me of the words of Jesus. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? I was up in San Francisco for a long time, living in Haight-Ashbury, on the streets all over. Man, we did everything and everyone, but that was the point. You see, 
the drugs. It's a quest. For what? For God. How can you not see that? There is an entire generation right now searching for God. Everyone is accepted. Jeanette tells me you're a pastor. Yes. Currently. I know we must seem pretty strange. But if you look a little deeper, if you look with love, you'll see a bunch of kids that are searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. So to answer your question, how do I describe my people? They're sheep without a shepherd, chasing hard after lies. And the trouble is, your people reject them. So I ask you, Pastor, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? We can only walk through doors open to us. And your church? Well, that's a door that's shut. There's a lot of great clips in this uh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. There's a lot in there, and we've got two other clips that we'll show before the end of the service, but the main point I want to point from that is that people are on a quest to find God. <laughs> right. Amen, Rosemary. They're looking for him, and unfortunately, they're looking in a lot of the wrong places. And the times when they happen to look to a church, unfortunately, a lot of times they find the doors of that church closed and they're rejected. And it solidifies what they've already thought with the doubts that they've already been told that they don't belong here. And these convicting words from Lonnie, it leads Pastor Chuck to rethink how their church should operate. I want to focus on one of the scriptures that Lonnie referenced there when he said, these people are sheep without a shepherd. If you look in your Bible with me at Matthew chapter 9, it's a great time to remind you we've got Bible sermon notes up on the Church Center app, the YouVersion Bible app to follow along. Read with me from Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus, he's gone around teaching and preaching and healing all because of what? Because he had eyes to see the crowd and have compassion on them. As we talk about making room for more people, I want us to consider increasing in three areas in our life. Number one, the increase of, of compassion in our hearts. Jesus saw the crowds 
and he had compassion on them. We have to prepare ourselves to increase in our compassion for them. Because what your eyes are focusing on will either determine that you've got a heart to see people or you've got a heart for yourself. What your eyes are looking at, are you looking at the people like Jesus did? He looked and he saw the harassed and the helpless, those that were sheep without a shepherd. And he had great compassion for them. Compassion is a theme found all throughout the Bible. The Old Testament, the model of Jesus, the New Testament. A lot of times we think about the Old Testament, we think of the God of wrath and anger and war. Let me show you very quickly the compassion of the Lord in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, when when the Israelites were disobeying God, they had chosen to, to go after other gods and worship other gods. In Deuteronomy, it says that God restored the people and he had compassion on them. Later in 2 Kings, Elisha, one of the prophets, he dies and the king of Syria is oppressing the Israelites. 2 Kings 13 says the Lord was gracious to them and showed compassion to them. King David also talked about compassion. Read with me in Psalm 103, 13. It says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The compassion of God is like the compassion of a father for his child. Children need to receive compassion because sometimes they do some wrong things. Not your kids, other kids do wrong things. Good fathers know how to show grace and compassion when a child is acting, well, childish, right? A good father knows what a child needs. There are more times in in the Old Testament and the New Testament that we see compassion, but, but we know that Jesus demonstrated it for us. He gave us a model to follow after, that he had the eyes of compassion. But not only did he have the eyes of compassion, he did something about it. Jesus saw the helpless and the harassed. He saw those that were broken and hurting and in distress. And I want to ask you today, do you have the eyes to see those that are hurting in your world, in your sphere of influence, Who is the hurting person in your family that needs your help? Who's the hurting person at your workplace that you can just tell something is not right with them? And you're like, I don't have enough time to to help them out. I'm swamped with work, right? There's always an excuse why we can't be the one to go over there and help them. Maybe there's someone right here in this room that is hurt and broken. No, not at church. We're all good, right? No problems in this room. We're really good at putting on a mask. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, everything's good. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Can we ask God to give us eyes to see with compassion those that are hurting and be ready to be proactive and do something about it? I unfortunately want to tell on myself for a second. I was leaving here a week or so ago on a weekday night. I was driving up to this street to turn right, go home, and, and I saw this gentleman crossing the street in front of me, and then he, he got to the other side, and he just stopped there. He looked back at me. I looked back at him. I'm like, okay, 
You good? Like, and I'm still trying to keep an eye on traffic, and I slowly, safely, you know, get onto the road and head home. My first interaction, my first thought was like, well, that was weird. I don't know what that was all about. Like, what a weirdo, you know? A few minutes later, as I'm driving home, I was like, I probably could have at least stopped and asked him if he was okay, right? Got out of the car, like, are you good? Is there anything you need? Can I give you a ride somewhere? Is there anything? But it's so difficult in this world that we live that's always go, go, go. It is very easy for our first reaction, our first thought to be like, I just got to focus on me and mine. But God is asking us to have eyes of compassion for the lost, for those that are hurting, to be willing to slow down sometimes. It is, it is worth the pause in our daily hectic schedule and see if we can help someone in need. Pastor Chuck and his congregation They were only seeing what they wanted to see. They were only seeing what the agenda was telling them. That the hippie movement was all about drugs and sex and all that, but people were on a quest to find God. And unfortunately, they were settling for a cheap high, an imitation of what could truly fulfill them. And I'm telling you, there will be times when someone comes through those doors giving God one more chance And we have to be ready for them. And I'm telling you this today because next week we go to two services and there's going to be more room in the seats for people to feel comfortable to walk in. There might even be some aisle seats, dare I say, because those are always the most comfortable for someone to be in, right? I could tell from right here. But it doesn't matter if physically this room has more space and people can come in here if there's not first space in our hearts to receive them. If we don't have compassion in our hearts, it doesn't matter if there's physical space in this building. If they walk in and we tune them out and we just focus on our own friends and our own group that we're comfortable with, if we give them a seat at our table, there will be life change. It has to start with compassion, compassion in our hearts. We're called to be like Jesus and look for the helpless and the hurting. Once we have increased the compassion in our hearts, number two, it's we can increase the labor of our hands, the work of our hands. Look at that passage again, Matthew 9, verse 37. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We can show compassion. We can see people. We can see them in hurting. But then we got to do something about it. We have to be willing to serve them. Jesus was calling out the followers to become laborers. He calls out to the fact there's, there's actually a labor shortage in the kingdom of God. And he's asking each one of us to sign up to be part of his labor force, to serve the people around us. The reason we ask you to to serve on Sundays or to go out into our community and serve the Hope Center or She Dreams Again is because that is what we're meant to do. It is part of our purpose to serve one another. I think about Mark's gospel. In Mark's recollection, he talks about James and John, two of the disciples of Jesus. They come to Jesus asking, can we sit on your left and your right hand side? Can, can we be there at the, at the end of life in the kingdom of heaven? And the other disciples get angry. 
They're not angry because the disciples have asked something that's wrong. They're angry because they didn't ask it first. (laughs) They wanted it too. And Jesus explained to them what serving looked like. Look at Mark chapter 10, the four verses from there, verse 42. It says, Jesus called them to him. He gathered all his disciples. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I know that you're following the model that you've seen in this world. We see that from the Gentiles in this world. They, they lord it over it. They dominate. They want everyone to know them. It's pretty similar to the political landscape of our time. But Jesus says, that's not what it's like in my, in my kingdom. You want to be the greatest? You got to go low. You want to be served? Actually, it's more about serving other people. That's how you grow in the kingdom of heaven. And when we tell people, I'm sorry, when we tell God, that we don't have enough time to serve, we don't have enough money to give to his kingdom, we're telling God that we're better at scheduling out our life, we're better at budgeting our life than he is. God has called us to serve his kingdom. Back in the the movie, Jesus Revolution, Pastor Chuck, he's heard these words from Lonnie, He's, he's felt convicted, and he's beginning to see that this, this group of hippies that love Jesus, maybe there's something to them. There's, there's more than, than meets the eye here. And, and there's a time in the, in the movie where they're worshiping in his living room. If you've seen the movie, it's a great clip. I don't have time to go into that one. But man, I, I love that concept of worshiping together in that tight community. And then Pastor Chuck goes to his leaders of the church to explain what he wants to do. He wants to talk to the, the leaders, the board members, the top givers of the church. And they're not happy with this decision. They say, they say things like, yeah, but what if they come in bare, with, you know, bare feet and they stain our shag carpet? The pastor goes, that's what, you're, that's what you're worried about? You're worried about our shag carpet? So Pastor Chuck, he decides to do something about this to allow people to be welcome into the church. Let's show this next clip. What is going on? That right over there on that towel. And this other one here. There we go. Yeah. Baptize these feet in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There you go. Uh, welcome to church. <laughs> Hello, you. Let's have that foot, please. This is terrific. Okay. Place them both on that towel and then step on into church. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, young lady. How are you? Let's have that foot. Have that other foot. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go sit next to that fella in the cantaloupe jacket? <laughs> Good to see you. Enjoy. Welcome to church. Hello, young lady. An invitation to the broken. Jesus was very friendly with the outcasts. In Revelation 22, it says, Let the one who can hear 
Say, come, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the waters of life freely. I want you all to look at me. Uh, please, every one of you. This place, it is yours. <laughs> I don't, I don't care if anybody else thinks so. I mean, if, if you feel like you're an outcast, then join us here. If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, this is where you belong. If you feel ashamed or trapped in something you've done or are doing, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. No guilt trips. <laughs> this is your home. And I want you to tell all your friends about it. There is a place for you. Now that door is open all the time for you, any time of day. And if there are some who don't like that, well then that door is open for you too. It works both ways. Chuck had eyes to see those with compassion. He began to labor and to work and serve the people, all the people. Pastor Chuck wanted to serve all the people that Jesus died for. That meant not just those that were regular attenders, not just those who gave in the offering buckets, all people. I love how Pastor Chuck washed their feet like a, a way to serve to put others above himself. And that video is such a perfect analogy for what Jesus said because remember he said the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. If you notice in that clip, Pastor Chuck is the only one laboring, the only one serving, the only one working. He needs more people. The harvest is plentiful. There's a line of people to get into the church. We have to be ready to serve the people to work, to bring in the harvest. And we know there, there will be people that reject Jesus, of course. But I want to flip what I think is a, a, a myth in the church. A lot of times we have this thought that all those people out there in the world, they don't know God and they don't want to. That they've shut them out. There's no way to reach them. They're just, they're headed to hell. And we're all here huddling in the minority of the church until we can get to heaven. But Jesus is not, he did not say that the harvest is barely there and we've got a lot of workers. 
He shows us the issue is not with the harvest. It's plentiful. It's ready. We have to be the ones who are prepared to serve. The harvest is plentiful. This was said in those days. I get that. But I'm taking this as a word for here and now. That the harvest is ready for us now. And there's a reason Jesus uses the word harvest. Because harvest has a timetable. It's meant to invoke a sense of urgency. We need to be ready now. We don't want one person on any Sunday to come in and we're not prepared to show them the love of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. We have to be prepared. The reason we want people to serve is because we don't want to lose that opportunity. We want more people to experience the love of God and the love of his people. God has made the laborers a requirement for the harvest. Think about that. God in all of his power, he is omnipotent. We believe that he is all powerful. He is all strong. And yet he has chosen to partner with you to bring the lost towards Jesus. That's an incredible privilege. That's an amazing responsibility. Serve because the harvest is here. Don't give up hope. I know it can be hard to, to keep going, to keep serving people when you keep praying for people, when you don't see the difference in their life, but the harvest is plentiful. Continue to work for God. And the last point today, people are seeking after God and we, we have to increase compassion in our hearts, the work of our hands, but lastly, we need to increase the prayer on our knees. Jesus had compassion and he told us the harvest is great, that there's, but there's this shortage in the labor. And then read that last verse, verse 38. He said, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus said, therefore, meaning he's attaching the fact that there's a plentiful harvest and a shortage in the labor. Therefore, we must what? Pray. We have to pray for God to send the labor force into the harvest. And he says, pray earnestly. That language in the Greek, it's the same pray earnestly as you see in other parts of the Gospels when people were praying, begging God to heal them. Begging God to cast out the demons from them. This is not just like, oh God, it would be nice if you could please just uh, send someone and that would be great. Thanks. It's, it's saying, God, please, if you don't send people, the harvest will not, be, will not be bought for Jesus. It will not be brought in. We need you, God. It is desperation. It's a cry, a desperate plea to God for saving. The harvest is plentiful. And I love in that verse, Jesus explains who that harvest belongs to. Did you catch the, the ownership of the harvest? It's not the, the harvest that belongs to the gathering. It's not the, har the harvest that belongs to the assemblies of God. It says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. It belongs to him, not me, not you. The harvest belongs to God. We are simply working within the parameters and the plan that God has for us. And if we're seeing people with compassion and we're working hard and we're praying to God, I believe God will send people into this room, 
into this building. God will send people into your lives, in the workplace, in your family, in the public places that you, you frequent, and you'll have an opportunity to point them towards Jesus. I want to show you one more clip from this, from this movie, and it's after the small spark of Pastor Chuck and after he's opened his eyes to see the people that are hurting, God brings a young man into the picture named Greg Laurie. Throughout this movie, it's interspersed with Pastor Chuck's story and Greg's story. And Greg, as a young man, he's had very little guidance, not a lot of parental oversight. He's been searching for himself. And this clip that I'm going to show you, he has just barely escaped with his life from what could have been a car accident. He's on drugs. The rest of his friends are on drugs. And he's wandering the streets. And he's searching. And he's found by Lonnie. And then we're also going to fast forward in this clip to the moment where he's baptized. Let's check out this clip. I don't want to die. 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 I'm dying. I'm gonna die. That's the drugs lying, you man. You're alive. I promise you. What's your name? Greg. Greg. It's alright. It's alright. I'm Lonnie. You ran past my house screaming. I just followed you. Just breathe. Lonnie, be honest with me, man. You're really here. Are you really here? Yeah, man, I'm really here. And I'm gonna sit with you here as long as it takes, okay? What are you doing out here? What, what are you running from? I don't know. Hey, hey, where are you going? Hey, Greg. God says you don't have to run anymore. Hi. Greg, right? Yeah. I've been praying for this moment since I first met you. Have you decided? Uh, um, I, I don't know. You want to decide right now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. You are the savior of the world. You are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. I repent for my sins. I repent from all my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and friend. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. can't keep hearing any sniffling out there. It's gonna, we're not going to be able to get to the end of this message. <laughs> that moment, so many moments. 
when Lonnie says, you don't have to run anymore. Man, so many people are out there running from God. And we get so angry at them, don't we? If you could only get it, if you'd only see. Friends, they don't need more anger. They've received that enough from people in their life. They've received that probably from themselves and the self-doubt. They need the love of God. And I love when it transitions to that moment where he comes in to get baptized. He says, Greg, right? I've been praying for you since the day I met you. You wanna see a harvest? You wanna see God do something great? It starts on our knees, church. It starts out in prayer to God to send in the laborers because the harvest is plentiful, it's there. We have to be prepared in our hearts to be ready to receive it. If you don't know the rest of Greg Laurie's story, he became a pastor, one of the largest churches in Southern California and it's called Harvest Church. I believe that there are testimonies that will be told years from now because of the people here in this room that were ready to see people with compassion and to serve them and pray for them and to see impact years from now. But it starts here. And I wanna make sure you take away the right thing from this, the moral to the story of Jesus' revolution. The moral of this story is not how do we take a, a church and build it from small to big? How do we become a mega church? How do we have tent revivals? Those are all good things. But the moral of this story is that the harvest is great and people are seeking God and they need to be guided where they can find him. Are we ready to guide people towards Jesus? Would you stand as we close today? I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. I want, I want us, us as a church to commission ourselves. It's not just a step we're taking because we feel it's the right thing. It's the next step that God has laid out in front of us. I've already had people saying, what happens after this? What if we're too full? I don't know. God's not going to show me that typically until we need that next step. And I don't want him to. I'm not ready for it. But as we end today, I want to end with this step. We've talked about all these different teams that we can, that we can join at the gathering. But I wanna ask every single one of you here today, this morning for the next 10 minutes, would you join the prayer team? Would you join the prayer team? What I'm asking, if you're comfortable, remember I said at the beginning of this, making room for more means we're gonna be uncomfortable sometimes. If you've signed up to be a laborer, to, to work, to serve in God's kingdom, whether that's here on Sunday mornings or elsewhere, I'm gonna ask you to do something uncomfortable. Would you step forward? And I wanna to pray together, shoulder to shoulder, next to my friends, asking God to send the laborers, praying for this community and this city to be fully reached for God. If you're comfortable, before we close, I invite you up front to pray with me as the worship team leads us and to believe that God, the God of the harvest, is going to send workers and that the harvest is plentiful and we're ready to see a move of God. Is anybody ready to see a move of God? Let's be ready in our hearts. Let's pray church and then let's, you can follow the team as they sing. You can pray your own prayer. You can kneel, you can stand, you can raise your hands, whatever you wanna do. But I'm asking you, make, make room as much as you can up here in the front here. Yeah, thank you, thank you. 
Let's pray together, church. Let's call on God, the God of the harvest. God, we've come before you right now. And we cannot do this without you. We will never want to move forward without you, but you are leading us in this step. And I ask that you would help us to see with eyes of compassion. Help us to see right next to us the people that are hurting and feel helpless and broken and be willing to lead them towards the feet of Jesus. I pray for those who have been running away for the Greg Glories in our, in our situation, in our city. God, would, be, would we be ready to point them towards you, Jesus? Send the laborers. Here we are, send us, we are saying this morning. We are ready and willing to be commissioned for your kingdom. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For just a few minutes, let the worship team lead us and let's pray and cry out to God. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.